And maybe help, helpful to like, these are, this is my two cents on it. Um, I, I'm not making a case that the Sabbath is a command that we are like obligated to follow. Um, I think arguments about whether or not the Sabbath is a command miss what is Jesus's larger point, which is that God's intention with the Hebrew Sabbath was that it would be for the good of the people that it was, in a sense, a gift to the people. If you remember, when it's instituted, the people have just come out of slavery, like intense slavery, uh, manual labor slavery. And so the idea that you would have a day to not labor is a true gift from the Lord. And, And not only do you not have to labor, but God's literally going to provide food on the ground for you. Um... And that's ultimately perfectly seen through the incarnation, death, and resurrection of Christ. Um, He is the one who perfectly keeps it, as we've said. um, And I think practicing the Sabbath outside of Christ is pointless. Like, what's if Jesus isn't alive, if Jesus isn't Messiah, then, you know, it may be nice to have a day where you don't work, but it's of of no, like, significance outside of him. Um, But that said, I do think followers of Jesus should desire to set aside time to worship, um, to rest in the completed work of Christ, even though that may seem nebulous. Um, But but it's not an obligation. I think it's a gift um, that we would that we would have the ability to like rest in the knowledge that my sin has been taken away and that Christ's righteousness has been given to me. And that my, like, eternity is secured in and through Christ. Um, to be able to rest in that reality and to, like, intentionally set aside time to rest in that reality, while not an obligation, I think is a good thing that is worth considering. So, is everybody alive over there? Justin walked over calmly, so that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So any, any thoughts from that that spark anything for you guys? Disagreement, agreement? Following along with that thought, do you think maybe we, we are not hurt ourselves, but we get too wrapped up thinking about it as a whole day? So like going back to the secular sacred divide that doesn't exist, like should we more try to look at our whole week, our whole lives? Like, okay, how do I organize mm-hmm. my life around worship and rest in Jesus? Right. Even in my work, even, you know, yeah, and I, so I would again allude back to Paul saying, in whatever you do, right? So it's like in all things. Um, but yeah, I, I do. I, I, I think, and, and this, is, this seems to be the error of the Jews in Jesus' day, is everybody has gotten too wrapped up in what does it mean to do this right? Um, and how can, we, how can we like further articulate how to do this right? Um, so that everybody knows, so that everybody understands. Um, and then it just, it easily devolves into legalism. And even within the Christian church, uh, I mean, there have certain, and there are still today, um, the, the term is Sabbatarian. Like, there, there are people who are very, like, quote-unquote, strict Sabbatarians. Um, where, I mean, and I have friends who would fall into that camp. I have friends who will not go to a restaurant or will not go do their grocery shopping because their view is we shouldn't be engaging in commerce on the Sabbath, on Sunday. Um, which is something that is a concept that was held by many of the Protestant reformers. Um, and in general, 
if, you, if you're talking about people who fall into a camp of reformed theology, that, that's a very common thing that you see in that world, is that this is still a command, and we do sort of have these obligations that we need to be adhering to on this day. Um, so again, this is, um, this is something where there are brothers and sisters in Christ who maybe think differently than I think or think differently than you think. And, um, and really, really solid, again, Bible teachers who land in different places on this issue and, and who I think are, are really trying to be faithful to the scripture in the way that they understand it. Um, but for me, I think all of the focus on the command nature of it and the what does it mean to do this right uh, can easily lead us to a place of missing the point and leading it to a place where it is not in any way uh, a joy or a delight to us. Anything else? Any other thoughts, y'all? So with that in mind, how should we go about practicing it uh, if, if we are to go about practicing it? Um, and the New Testament is not prescriptive on this. Uh, there is not necessarily a New Testament text that gives us a blueprint on how to follow the Sabbath or practice the Sabbath. Uh, a lot of people look back to this text. This is Isaiah 58. Uh, we actually read part of this passage in uh, the service, I think this past Sunday, um, this is the passage where he talks about fasting and how the people were fasting for the wrong reasons, and um, it's an indictment of the people. But then at the very end of the chapter, uh, what God says is, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, that word pleasure could also be translated as work or business, from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Uh, this is a verse uh, that he he kind of hits on in the book. He talks a lot about delight. Um, in the book. And what's interesting about delight is, um, at least here, Sabbath is connected to delighting in God. Um, one of the things that seems to be the case to me in this particular text is that this is not, this is not meant to be like a me day. This isn't necessarily meant to be the day where I just selfishly do all the things I most want to do. Um, and I think in a lot of modern Sabbath writing, that, that can easily be the message that's communicated. There, I mean, there is definitely a strain of this out here that would be like counter to the, like the Sabbatarian thing I was talking about a minute ago, where it's like, this is something that would be good for you to do, and it really is like your self-care day. It's like the day where you go to the, you know, go work out, go whatever, go eat, you know, a clean meal, you know, whatever it is, like take your kids over here and leave them and, you know, whatever your idea of like an amazing day would be, um, that's what the Sabbath is. Um, what's interesting here are the words that are used uh, in the Hebrew, these kind of strange words, oneg and oneg. Um, which are rendered as delight and take delight in. It's like, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? 
And what's interesting about these words is they both have implications of luxury. Um, I was talking with Taylor some about this because he's in a Hebrew class right now, but they have implications of like luxury and um, daintiness. Um, and I, I think I think this is one of those things where there's a there's a lane for this in the Hebrew that just doesn't fully like there maybe is not just like the an English word that fully encapsulates what these things are getting at. Um, it, it almost conjures for me this idea of being in like a like a royal salon, you know, like 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 kind of like lounging uh, in like this luxurious royal setting. Um, that, that's not what it's saying here, but, but that is kind of the underlying thrust behind these words. This idea of luxuriousness, like lux, luxuriating in the Lord. Um, like what, what in the world does that mean? Right. Um, but, and isn't that interesting because if, if we just say delight in the Lord, well, what does that mean to you? I, I think we, we would say, well, that means something like take joy in the Lord or be happy in the Lord or something like that. Um, but I think there's a level of this in the Hebrew where it's, it's saying something to the effect of like, like recognize the tremendous wealth that has been extended to you through the Lord. And if you take that in the context of the gospel, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like this, like, like riches beyond measure have been extended to us through Christ. What does it look like for us to like, you know, like lounge or like rest in the riches of Christ that have been given to us? What does it look like for us to build time into our week, even if it isn't a full 24-hour period, even if it isn't like one specific day of the week, time to really like sit with the reality of the gospel and to, and to allow that to like spark worship within you. I, I, think, I think when you consider it in that way, the connection between rest and worship is more clear. It's like if, if my rest really is in that reality, not just in material things that bring me rest or comfort or whatever, whatever I think of as rest, be it taking a nap or something else, not that those things are bad, but, but if my rest is really in the reality of the gospel, then it's inevitable that what that will spark is a desire to worship him. Right to give him praise and honor and glory. Does that does that make any sense to you guys at all? Um, so that's a really interesting thing to me. Um, even though this is not like a New Testament passage, um, if we're just wondering how in the world would I even go about doing this? Um, again, kind of like fasting or like the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude, like a lot of this is just about carving out intentional time um, to reflect on what is true. Um, you could take that same implication to the table every Sunday. Like we are carving out space and time to reflect and remember what is true of Christ. Um, 
And again, I think it's why throughout Christian history, corporate worship has been connected to a Sabbath day um, or to the Lord's day. Uh, a few other things. Uh, delighting in God, again, should not be separated from worship. Uh, I, I don't think you're really delighting in the Lord if that doesn't somehow lead to worship. Um, and the overwhelming example of both Jewish and Christian history is that the practice of Sabbath is inclu inclusive of corporate worship. Um, not some not some kind of separate thing. Um, and then third, the rest of Sabbath is the recognition that God is our provider and sustainer and that ha he has provided for us perfectly through Christ. Um, so Sabbath has historically involved the secession of labor so as to rest in God's provision. Like, let me let me stop my production and my seeking or my striving so that there can be space for me to like recognize that everything I have is from the Lord. I mean, this is the doxology, right? That we sing every week. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, what is the space in your life or the time in your week where I've, I've tried to be intentional about truly making that a part of my focus? Not again, as some command. And if I don't do it, I've sinned. But, but as a true gift, like the thing that I most need to be reminded of uh, on the regular. I think when you start uh, getting outside of those three points and start talking about here's how you should do it, I think, I think it just becomes suggestions. You know, it's not necessarily right or wrong and, or obligatory type things. I think it's just maybe suggestions on how you could go about doing some of those things. 